Welcome back to another episode of the Best Minutes Podcast. Each week, Movies by Minutes hosts examine the 1946 William Wyler-directed film, The Best Years of Our Lives, one minute of screen time per episode. I'm one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of the Apollo 13 Minute and the Rocketeer Minute. And I'm Hal Bryan of the Rocketeer Minute. I'm Chris Henry from the Apollo 13 Minute. And we're back uh, getting on the elevator for, uh, or after we get corrected about Sergeant versus Mister, he's still Sergeant Stevenson to you, uh, front desk guy. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, and uh, then he gets on with the unnamed uh, elevator guy with super long hair. <laughs> right. He's got the uh, proto DA going on there. Um, definitely early Fonz. Um, and we never, we never really get a clear view of the guy's face. We get a, an ear and maybe a part of his, uh, part of his eyebrow. Yeah. Um, be interesting to find out. You know, that man's name was Albert Einstein. I, I don't know. <laughs> Who knows who that could be? You know, I, I love that last interaction with the uh, with the doorman because it's, it's, uh, you know, obviously he's going. Uh, as he goes back to his life at the bank and other things like that, he'll he's got a position of leadership, but it's almost his last chance to sort of bark as a as an army sergeant. It's almost yeah. that last last opportunity, <laughs> and to, you know, corrects him as Mister Stevenson. No, that's Sergeant Stevenson. And then you know, and then what do you expect a, a four star general? <laughs> that just cracks me up. That reminds me. I don't know. If, uh, I'm assuming at least one of you guys has seen the movie Heartbreak Ridge. Oh yeah, yes. yeah. Uh, Clint Eastwood and stuff. It, not a movie that's that's necessarily aged all that well, but uh, one of the more profanely quotable films uh, in my lifetime. And there's a there's this great exchange where Clint Eastwood and his old buddies, this original Sergeant uh, Chuzu, get reacquainted, and they just start uh, you know snapping at each other, insulting each other in horrible ways. But Chuzu has this line that says. You know, if your brain was half as quick as your mouth, skunk stool, you'd be a friggin' twenty-star general by now. <laughs> <laughs> or my friends and I saying that to each other. I mean, I'm not even sure what skunk stool is, unless it literally means exactly what it sounds like. Yeah, it, yeah. Tell, it tells well. Yeah, yes. it does tell well. <laughs> That's hysterical. You'd be a friggin' twenty-star general by now. And then, and then of course, Eastwood's line back says, "If I was half as ugly as you, Sergeant Major, I'd be a poster boy for a prophylactic." <laughs> Uh, yes, yes. All you have to do is you have Clint Eastwood in your movie, and you will get good scripting immediately. <laughs> Instantly. That's uh, the when law. I was thinking of with the four-star general, uh, I remember watching uh, the old BBC. No, it was Thames Television did the 1973 series The World at War that was narrated by Laurence Olivier. And they had it was, it was done in 1973, so a lot of people who were you know, World War II you know, participants uh, were still of an age where they could be interviewed, and I remember there was a uh, there was an interview with Admiral Kimmel's assistant. Admiral Kimmel, of course, was the uh, chief of operations in uh, the Pacific in the Pacific Fleet the, for the Pacific Fleet, uh, and he was a four star admiral uh, at Pearl Harbor. And when he saw the bombs coming down. Uh, he walked into his office and he tore the shoulder boards off of his shirt, off of his uniform that had the four stars. And he went back into his office and put on two star boards because he knew he was never going to keep his his rank. So every time I hear four star general, I think, uh, oh, Kimmel. Uh, but uh, yeah, he. <clears throat> I used just, to love that series, by the way, The World at War. Um, yeah. I remember it, I, it would be 
I was, for want of a better term, I was, I was, I was thrilled by it as a little kid. I was fascinated by the history and things, but um, when I say thrilled, it was in the literal sense that like it was a little bit scary for me. Yeah, you know, you get that same sense of sort of nervous anticipation, and and not in any sort of disrespectful way, but I would, I would have that same, you know, can't look away kind of angst about wanting to watch it and wanting to be sort of spooked by it, like like you would a monster movie or something. Yeah, it, um, and I did like you know Tim's television. It was the British point of view of World War Two. We have a tendency of. In in America, we have a tendency of looking at World War II as it started with Pearl Harbor and it ended at Nagasaki, and or it ended in the you know Tokyo Bay on the on the deck of the USS Missouri. But uh, the British had a rather more uh, expansive and worldwide interaction. Right. I mean, in places like Burma and Malaysia and uh, you know even every, everywhere around the world, it was more of a world war for them than even than the U.S. And they told a lot of stories in the world at war that we really don't focus on, or we ha- we haven't focused on it until recently. Like the the Russian, uh, the, the Russian side, the Eastern Front, for Germany, uh, how the fighting there was so much more intense than anything that the Allies in the West had experienced. Um, but yeah, fascinating. It's hard to find too. I, I have uh, actually wound up going to uh, Amazon. Doesn't have it anymore. You can't get it on Amazon. And uh, uh, they're supposed to come out with a new version of it. But from what I was looking at the price, it's like, I can't do that. But uh, my local library has it. So I've watched it a couple of times from the local library. But uh, just beautifully told story and a lot of personal experiences in the in the show from from people who were, gosh, in their 50s and 60s when they were recording the show. Uh, well, well worth a while. Um, but anyway, back to uh, <laughs> to the, the uh, Empty Arms Hotel here. As uh, Al goes up, and he just looks—he looks like he's ready to attach his uh, the lanyard from his parachute onto the onto the rack overhead and wait for the jump light. It's, <laughs> he um, really does. And you know, interestingly, when when he gets out of the elevator, um, we see uh, another one of his bags has a big stenciled B on it. Yeah. So I did a little. Huh. Quick bit of reading about that, and apparently that that even now is still a very sort of typical thing in the army. It's it's a little bit. I'm seeing some sort of spotty definitions, but you had your A bag and your B bag and your C bag. Oh, um, huh. and uh, and in some cases, it it looks like like your A bag is an assault pack, and then your B bag is your is your your ruck, and then your C bag is a duffel bag. Um, but uh, but as I'm, as I'm interpreting this is basically, okay, you know, as you travel, as you move, as you deploy from place to place, you know, thou shalt carry all thy worldly possessions in these three bags and you might prioritize them. And one might be a carry on and one might end up on a pallet, that sort of thing. And so you, you have your three bags and you think about what goes into each one. Well, I need my A bag with me. So my B bag and my C bag can go over here or that sort of thing. Um, so I can't say that I've got any expertise on it, but that appears to be how it's fleshing out. And I'll bet, uh, uh, I'll bet your pal uh, Rory could straighten that out for yeah, us. In see, this of is seconds. A, this or is my old of, buddy Eric. This is the kind of thing that people tune into us for to hear the A bag and the A bag and the B bag. Now, yeah, now it's all now it's all coming together and starting to make sense. Um, and now he's <laughs> pressing the button at apartment D. So. Uh, uh, wouldn't that be? I, I keep thinking that it says D, but wouldn't there be like a four in front of it, or a, well, I don't know. Maybe they just 
they don't bother with that since they you know what floor you're on. And I would just think yeah, that people the, were smarter then. Yeah, you know, they didn't yeah. need to be spoon fed quite as quite as much. Well, the elevator uh, man would take you to the right floor. So yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, this you know an elevator operator that takes you to the wrong floor that's got to be that's got to be one of the biggest failures in employment <laughs> yeah, history. Exactly. You know, literally yeah, right, had one right. job. <laughs> yeah, if he rang the doorbell and there was some other guy about to shout and he put his hand over the guy's mouth, then, oh, you're not my son. Uh, right. Exactly. It's, yes. an, it's an interesting first approach. I mean, this <laughs> seems like urban assault that he was just, you know, like, this right. is what you do when you're when you get into the French farmhouse and you find the woman yeah. who's at the door yeah, and you exactly. go in, just put your hand over her mouth. Right. And if this son truly was the son of a of a a uh, good old grizzled army NCO, he would have pulled the 1911 from the drawer. Yeah. And, uh, you know, fired a couple through into the doorways. You know, no, nobody's going to dive into my house and clap his hand on my mouth. And, this is turning, you know, this is turning well, into Die Hard. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah pop. Welcome, to the, welcome to the party, pal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> pop warned me about days like this. Yeah, yeah. I'm the man of the house. That's what he right. said when he yeah. left. Yeah. Uh, Wait a minute. You look a bit like him, but older. Yeah. Come home from the war. We'll have a few laughs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we've got it. We've got off yeah. the track. Yeah, yeah. My my dad would have, yeah, my dad would have come in through the HVAC vents. Yeah, it's a uh, wow. But yeah, we get we get introduced to Rob. He does. He thought he was going to have a speaking line, but he didn't. Um, it's a. Uh, I I was wondering if he had a different idea as to who was going to answer the door. Was he going to? Was he going to do that to Millie if she answered the door? Yeah. Yeah, quiet, see, I'm going to surprise the uh, kids. Yeah. Or what uh, if it was? Uh, what if it was the milkman? Yeah. yeah. Whoops. You know, yeah. There's a surprise. Yeah. 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 Scratching his hip while you know wearing his bathrobe. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it's just interesting. Of gosh, that and we're getting into the many long. He's already. Gosh, it's almost like uh, get smart. He keeps walking. Down all these hallways. He was in the lobby hallway, and now he's in the apartment hallway. And next week, well, we're not going to be there for next week, but he's got another hallway to come. This is a very, it's a long way home. It's the only way to describe it. Um, <laughs> it really is. It's, and they don't have, I guess they don't, they didn't do uh, welcome mats back then. It's just being in a, in an apartment, they assume that uh, you've already wiped your feet on the lobby floor and everything's right. clean. And if you know, as a last ditch effort, you could scuff up the elevator and give the uh, <laughs> give the elevator operator a little something extra to do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wipe your feet on his uh, Archie comics, right. um, or his funky fold down chair that would yeah. break, break Jim's heart to see get sullied. Oh no! Yeah, it's uh, yeah, just a just a tragedy. Um, I gosh, and I I, I want to know more about. I mean, we're we'll they'll talk about it next week. We we have uh, other other people coming in to talk about it. But I just keep wondering if you know that somebody's coming home, even if they're not coming home for a couple of days, would you not be not planning everything? I mean, they were going to go to the I forget the name of the people. They'll they'll talk about them next week. But wouldn't you if the doorbell rang? Wouldn't your first thought be, "Oh, that's Al back from the war." You would oh, think so, know. but then again, if he if he's a couple of days before you might expect him, yeah. And and remember, their whole trip, you know, was circuitous and and 
you know, nobody was yeah. really sure exactly how they were going to get home, and so they bummed the ride on the B-17 and everything else. I'll be honest and say that I would be, if I were a family member, even with the war over, until Dad was home, you'd still be kind of on pins and needles, and you'd be dreading that doorbell ringing, and hopefully it wouldn't be the, the Army chaplain or a couple yeah. of guys in, in dress uniforms there to give you the telegram full of bad news. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, uh, getting home from the war was uh, quite an adventure. <laughs> so, Same yeah, I, I I don't think they I, – I don't – no, I don't think it would be uh, – I don't think I would expect my loved one at any time. I mean, you know, now we have luxuries where, you know, you kind of know down to the hour or the minute that, you know, your, your right. person's coming home, but it, it wasn't yeah, like that Because he texted from yeah. the lobby and, you know, yeah. like tracking yeah. his, yeah. Tracking well, his you phone. Gotta, and... You got to get ready for the YouTube video meeting the dog. Oh, yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you got to film this Folgers commercial. And, right. Yeah. yeah. God, yeah. take it again. I wasn't ready. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. good yeah. to see you. Now, but can you come in again? But this time, <laughs> this time, let the dog tackle you. Yes, yes. Yeah. My my uh, my dad came home in September of 1945. He came home on a, on a ship called the Cape Town Castle, uh, and uh, he was let off in New York and instantly put. He lived in Elizabeth, New Jersey, which was right across the uh, the other side of the bay from uh, basically the town that the uh, Statue of Liberty turns her back on. It's uh, it's right over there, and but he had to get on a train and go to Spring, Springfield, Massachusetts, because that's where he was. Um, scheduled for release so he couldn't go home he went to he went to springfield massachusetts and had to wait i think uh like a week or two to get a pass to go visit his family down in new jersey from uh from springfield massachusetts so it it must be it must have been really annoying pulling into the you know pier 38 at the you know on the west side of manhattan and seeing where your house your house was but you (laughs) couldn't get back there to go see everybody because you had you're still in the army and uh, I know he he had made a couple of trips back and forth and wasn't released. Gosh, I want to say I want to say six weeks to uh, to two months. He, he still had to be wow. rotated out. And th- he said there there was nothing that, for him to do. I mean, he just <laughs> he went there. He stayed around base because they were supposed to be around the base, and then uh, he went home. <laughs> um, but it's just a you know a very very frustrating time for him. I would think. Uh, wow. Well, it's, uh, we're, you know, it, it, there's going to be a bunch of stuff coming up in, in this next week with a lot of interactions and deep focus and all kinds of things. I just, uh, I feel, I feel bad for Rob who this is his, you know, this is his dramatic reveal (laughs) and it's, uh, he looks like he wanted to be young Indiana Jones. Uh, (laughs) I just I I feel for, for Rob doesn't get a lot of yeah, action in the in this particular minute except to have he, he gets he gets Neville Sinclair'd by his own father yeah. and, uh, hand clapped like, on his mouth and everything else yeah, yeah yeah it's like be thankful Daddy didn't have uh, chloroform uh, <laughs> yes. or just a you know a karate chop to the uh, to the jugular <laughs> um, you know we were had uh, spoken just a little bit earlier, I think before we started uh, uh, any of the episodes this week, Jim, that just kind of by luck, it it does seem like so many of these minutes uh, break really, really well. Like this one is, is almost a tiny cliffhanger, you know, as, as we close out uh, the three of us close out our week on this, um, 
he's come in and he's he's just Rob and they haven't really spoken yet and of course we haven't seen the family and that's all just about to happen um, and but one of those things as you said we, we've got to we've got to save that for the next host yeah yeah we, we, we will do that I'm I keep the other thing that before we go I just I keep wondering about Rob the last time the last time Al saw his son his son's in high school, right? I mean, as far as we can tell, his son is in high school, so he's like under right. eighteen. He's maybe maybe he's seventeen or sixteen years old, and uh, too young to get drafted. Not out of not out of high school. So the last time Al saw him was possibly four years ago. So he was like a twelve year old. He was probably about right. a foot shorter, and I'm just amazed that Al recognizes him immediately. And like yeah, when this you is think how, you think about how much a, a kid would change in that in that yeah. time frame. Yeah. And to him, dad probably doesn't look really even any different. You know, yeah. maybe there's an extra wrinkle or a bit more gray hair uh, after the the war experience. But dad probably looks just about the same. But this is, but uh, yeah, Rob here has gone from, uh, you know, yeah, well, Darcy's gone grade. from a boy to a to basically a man. Yeah. Even yeah. though he lets, uh, you know, he doesn't do a good job of defending the place. <laughs> nice going. <laughs> I should have let Peggy handle things here. Yes, yeah. you missed your chance. Um, uh, just a tragedy. But anyway, well, more more things to come with uh, with a new team. But we will. We fortunately having having more than one podcast. Uh, the three of us will return in in future weeks. So we'll have another different things to talk about, and possibly having guests. But we will we'll save that for later on there. Um, uh, last thoughts on this particular on the, on, on this two week uh, session. I think these were these are some of the best minutes. I mean, they're all pretty good minutes, but I think we wound up with some of the best minutes on, of this movie. Yeah, there isn't uh, there isn't a bad minute uh, really in this uh, in this movie, and it's done such a good job. There's so much. Um, I, I mentioned either yesterday or the day before how one particular line of dialogue was kind of the whole movie in microcosm, but there's so much of that layered throughout the movie. Just. They, the shot in, from in the B-17 going over the boneyard and watching these, you know, all these airplanes headed for uh, headed to be chopped up because we don't need them anymore. And there, there couldn't be a more powerful visual metaphor for these three guys coming back from the war and wondering, you know, do they still have a useful place in society? And are they, are they, are they ready? Or are they, they too, or at least the military portions of their lives, are they just going to get... Uh, figuratively speaking, sent off to the uh, to the boneyard to be yeah. to be chopped into scrap, and it's just there's so many layers to this movie that uh, just just one scene after after another does such a good, clear and honest job of showing these things that that uh, honestly make it feel like it's decades ahead of its time in terms of of the things we talk about and the things that uh, the things that we don't but should. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, it, this whole movie feels like every topic brought up could be chatted about right now and, and is yeah. just as applicable 75 years after they first put it on celluloid. Um, just such a beautiful film and worth revisiting every couple of years if you you know you get a chance to sit down and just watch it end to end. Every time I watch it, I find new things in it, which is fortunate when you're doing a podcast like this. Right. But it's it's so... It, there's so many layers and there's so much there's so many topics that it covers that never never grow old never never really date the thing uh apart from apart from it being set in world war ii this could just as, as soon apply to people coming home today um well anyway we more, many more things to talk about and we will be we'll be back in a couple of weeks but in, instead uh, next week we'll have a 
I believe it's the Indiana Jones Minute boys are coming on, so they'll they'll have I'm sure they'll have some clever clever <laughs> conversations about uh, uh, Al and Millie's uh, family life. Uh, but we'll we'll check that out on Monday. Uh, in the meantime, uh, please know that uh, you can find the Best Minutes podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play, or at the main site, thebestminutes.com. Uh, if you'd like to talk about the movie, and we love hearing from you uh, whenever possible, reach out to us on social media. Uh, right now, you can find us at Butch's Place, the Best Years of Our Lives Listeners Cafe on Facebook or on Twitter at The Best Minutes. Uh, this is Friday, and Friday we always remind people that uh, there are over 180 uh, different Movies by Minutes podcasts as we're recording right now. 180 different uh, Movies by Minutes podcasts available at moviesbyminutes.com. Uh, you should check out the site for more great shows. Chances are uh, one of your favorite movies or several of your favorite movies have been done in a Movies by Minutes format. Always great to listen to other people's ideas on your favorite movies. If you go there and you find out that there isn't your favorite movie on a Movies by Minutes, why not start one your own? That's how, that's how we got into this thing. <laughs> so uh, always interesting to hear your opinions on your favorite films. Uh, anyway, join us here next week or join uh, the Indiana Jones Boys here next week on the Best Minutes podcast. Joe, you better hurry up out there because she's taking off soon. Right, thanks. Come on, Taylor.